Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for the music this morning. I hope that was encouraging to you. I, I, will, uh, I was up in my office this morning, got in and kind of opened things up and started things and went up to the office and uh, I came from Virginia and uh, school and so I, at 8 o'clock is their 11 o'clock service and it's live on, on internet and on TV so I clicked on there and I, I try to listen to at least their worship in the morning. I don't have time to listen to the whole service. but uh, and um, So they went through some of their music and some different things, and then they came to, uh, we've sung the song here a number of times, I Am, I Am the Bread, I Am the Life, and uh, just kind of sat up in my office and just kind of worshiped this morning. And then when I was done, I came down here, and these guys were practicing, and they were singing um, Amazing Love, which is one of my absolute favorite worship songs. So I walked in the doors and they're singing, Amazing Love, How Can It Be That You, My King, Would Die For Me? And I'm like, in heaven, I Am is one of my favorites, and then that one is one of my favorites. And so um, I don't know if that means anything to you this morning, but it was encouraging to me this morning. I got a text from a gentleman who I've been um, meeting with over the course of the last couple months that I randomly met. This gentleman's been a pastor here in town and in California and different places for about 36 years, and he sent me a text this morning, hey, praying for you and you guys' services, and then I was listening to I Am, and I came down here, and so I'm fired up, ready to go, but um, glorious day, what an incredible, incredible song, and and, um, I don't know what you guys have planned, I don't know where Nikki went, but I don't know what you guys have planned for the invitation closing song, but I want that song sung, it's going to tie into our... uh, our service this morning, but, but I hope you guys have had a good week. If you're a guest this morning, we want to welcome you and thank you for being a part and choosing our service this morning, and I know there's a couple here from out of town, and I know we have a couple um, folks from in our services that are normally here that went, went, um, are out of town this week. I know Ben um, Ekblad is in Arizona visiting his brother and his dad, and um, Caleb Hurley and his family are away. Um, and I cannot think of the, the one name, but I remember Keith. Um, but if you, if you know Keith, I can't think of his wife's name. Um, Carmen, Carmen. Uh, her mom is, they're back in Virginia this week for the next couple weeks, but her mom is not doing well at all. And so they're, um, if, you can, if you can remember to pray for Keith and Carmen, they'll be, uh, her mom is, it looks like, uh, going to pass to be with the Lord here in the next few days. And, and unless God would perform a miracle there. So if you think about that, pray for Keith and Carmen. And he left this morning to go be with her um, and just to kind of help with the family and things along those lines. But uh, we do want to thank you for being here. And guests, thank you so much for choosing our church. And I know it was on the screen there, but if you haven't filled out a connection card or one of the ushers didn't give you one of those, please fill that out. And we would love to have a record of your attendance so we can uh, follow up with you properly. And and, uh, thank you for being here at our services. We've been going through, for the last couple weeks, uh, Philippians chapter 3. So we're talking about kind of pressing on and moving on and, and going forward. And we went through a handful of verses the first week and talked about challenges. And, and when we choose to press on, when we choose to make a decision in our lives, that, that a number of different things obviously come up. And I, I think we've hit that point a number of times. But basically, at any point in time in your life where you choose to do something and you're going to we're going to charge whatever it is that you're charging, professionally or spiritually or whatever that might be. Um, so many times, 
how something comes in your way as a stumbling block. And in Philippians 3, uh, Paul was warning those people of false doctrines, of, of teachings and different things like that. And there was going to be stumbling blocks. And we talked about, even for Christians, so much of our, one of our biggest stumbling blocks is just becoming the. I go to church, and then I go to church on Sunday night or Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever it is that you do for your Christian life. Um, here we have those three services, but we go to the services and we play the part and we just become mundane, normal Christians. And it's so easy for us to get in that little rut of, well, I serve and I do this or I come and I give my tithe or I do this or whatever it would be. And we become so normalized, so to speak, so, so just mundane with our Christian lives. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, last week we talked about pressing on and, and gen- really just charging God or charging and, and choosing to do those things. We choose, last week we hit on a couple different things of how we're going to choose to move on. We've chose a couple things in our life and this week we're going to talk about growth. If we want to press on, one of the things that, that we have to do is we have to grow. In order for me to continue to press on in my Christian life, I have to grow. I have to grow spiritually. I have to grow in my relationships. I have to grow in every aspect and area of my life. I have to continue to grow. And the same thing with you and the same thing for our church. And so this morning as we dive into this, we're going to talk about growth. And, and uh, again, we'll be in, in Philippians 3. And the, the passage that will be will be the rest of this, this, these verses here. But we'll start in verse 15. And uh, so the first thing we're going to do, I'm going to read through a couple passages here in Philippians 3. We'll start in verse 15, and then we'll hit to that first point there. But in verse number 15 in chapter 3, it says this. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, or as be mature in Christ, basically, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. And in, or Galatians 3, 15, they put the wrong verse there, or the right verse, the wrong scripture passage, but, um, but, uh, (coughs) excuse me, but the first point is unity. And in these two verses, it's talking about unity. And in that, that first thing, it says, let us therefore as many as being perfect, be thus minded, be like-minded. We as Christians, if we are going to grow, if we're going to press on, one of the things that we have to do is is unite our minds. In that verse, that very first verse, that's what it says. It talks about being like-minded. It talks about being, it says, thus-minded, but, but that we would be, we would have nothing in our minds that would, would separate us from, from the goal that we have. And obviously throughout, throughout the Scripture, all throughout the New Testament and different things, it talks about being like-minded and, and Christians having the same mind and moving forward on the same goals and those types of things. But, but over and over again, we have to have a unified mind. Paul was challenging, and one of the things that he says in this passage, he says, let us. Paul wasn't just saying, hey, listen, you guys out there, you have to have the same mind. But he put himself lumped in with all of them together. Let us have the same mind. I pray, and as we continue to move on, and as we can continue to, to press forward with what God has for us at Oasis, I pray that, that we collectively would go forward with the same mind to continue to seek God. But it has to be us. It has to be all of us together. And, and as we continue to go on, Paul challenged that it wasn't just them, but it was us. It was all of us. It's all of us having to grow in our faith. It's all of us to do those things. 
Listen, if my mind is one thing and your mind is something else, we're not on the same team, we're not on the same page, we can't accomplish the goal that's set before us. And Paul was challenging them. Listen, church, he was speaking of the church in Philippi, but he said, listen, church, so to speak, let us, as we grow, as we mature, if we are truly going to press on, if we're truly going to grow in Christ and we're truly going to do this thing, we have to have the same mind. We have to have the same goal in mind. We have to have that same thought process, and we, we have to have that going forward. It also speaks of the unity in that next verse. It talks in 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, it says, Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Not only, I think sometimes as Christians, we get this, this idea and this concept in our minds well, the goal of Christianity, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I want people to get saved, and I want people to get baptized, and, and I want all those things. My mind is there, but our walk doesn't back up what we think, and so we're really not there. The mind and the walk have to be hand in hand, and as our church continues to press on, and as our church continues to move forward, the minds and the feet must be doing the same thing. I have to have, you have to have, we together have to know that we're here pressing on. Have you ever been at, at a workplace or have you ever been with a friend or have you ever been in a situation where you think the person beside you is on board with you but you're just not sure? Have you ever been there? I've been there. Man, you're doing something, you're going forward or maybe you said something and you're like, I hope they don't go and tell everybody. Like you may not have meant it in a negative way, but you could see out of context how that could take. And you're like, man, I really hope that they don't take that and they go and tell all these people. And you're thinking that they're on board with you. They're, you're thinking, but then when you walk away from that conversation, you go, oh Lord, I hope they're on board with me. Because if not, now I have to repair whatever I just said because I thought that we were on the same page. Or at work, you think the person beside you is on the same page with you, and then to come to find out, you're like, that, no. They're nowhere near what I was thinking. If you're a manager in here, if you oversee people, that's very key. Because you want them to work so that you don't have to do that work for you. Or that you don't have to do that work. That's what they're, you're, you're managing them to do that. And next thing you know, you're like, well, I told you to, to do this. And all of a sudden, it's, you're going back going, wait a second. You know, if you have kids, you try to tell them, hey, go clean the room. It's done. <laughs> and you walk in, you go, well, I don't know what your idea of cleaning was. It's the same principle. Though that's childish, it's the same principle in this building. As a church, as we continue to go on... I have to know, you have to know, you have to trust me as much as I trust you. You have to understand and, and want to know that my, that my mind and my feet are doing what we're saying and that I'm trusting you and so on and so forth. We have to have the same mind and the same feet. I use sports analogies all the time because I love sports. Today at 3 o'clock or 1 o'clock for us, you'll see some of you will be bolting out of here to go home to watch either the games or maybe because it's your team or you just love sports. Who plays first? 49ers. That must be a 49er fan who screamed that. Um, but you're going to go home to watch the 49ers and the Falcons. But you know one of the greatest things about sports is the greatest individuals on a team don't make the best team. 
The greatest talent doesn't necessarily make the greatest team. We see that all the time. Philadelphia Eagles, if you're an Eagles fan, I'm sorry, but they have incredible talent, but they won like three or four or five games, whatever it was this year. They were horrible. Just because they had great talent didn't make them a great team. If you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan, I am sorry, but they are horrible right now. They have some of the greatest talent in the NBA all on the same team, but they can't figure it out. Why? Because it doesn't just take talent. It takes a team. It takes the like-mindedness. It takes the feet to do what the mind is telling it to do. It takes the team being on, on board with the coach, and so on and so forth. It's more than just putting things in place. It's having a unity. It's having a unified group of people to be able to put those things in place, which actually now can take it out and make it happen. If we want to continue to press on, we have got to be unified. We want to continue to press on. Our team, so to speak, our church, the body that is here, has got to have an excitement. It has got to trust one another. It's got to grow in one another. I have to have the same mind as you, and you have to have the same mind as me, and my feet have to have the same mind as your feet, so to speak, and and we got to go. Because if I'm going in this direction thinking that you're all with me and you're going over here, we don't accomplish anything. And I know it's silly, but we see it in sports all the time, but you see it in your workplace all the time. You see it in your home sometimes when the, the husband and the wife are, are kind of at odds with each other and you, you think one thing and they're thinking something else and then we're fighting and then we have children and, and you throw all these things in the mix and now what is it? It's a big explosion of what in the world just happened. Why? Because the unity of the home or the unity of your job or the unity of the church or the unity of whatever that situation is, is not there. Paul was warning the church here of, that, of just that. And in this particular passage and in this, this, what he's talking about, one of the things that he was really warning them about, and I don't think, I know this is not on the screen, but in Galatians, um, Galatians chapter number 3, in verse number 3 it says this, it says, ye, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Basically what Paul is warning and what Paul is teaching here in this whole idea of unity is as people come in and as what they are talking about in is really legalistic type of a thought back in that day of, of the, the Jewish laws and, and all of those things and the circumcision and this law and that law and all those things, he was, he was warning them, listen, you were made perfect by the Spirit. You were, you were made perfect in Christ. Don't go back and start living by the flesh and expecting that the flesh, the flesh does not get you to heaven. The flesh does not get you all those things. It's the spirit that, that gets you to that place. And he was warning them, don't, you guys got to be unified. You can't bring that back in here. Don't bring it back in. The same thing with our church. We have got to be so like-minded. We have got to be so unified as a body of, of believers, as Christ, as Christians, that we're able to be unified going forward. I think if I were to ask just about any Christian, I would get the same answer of what is the purpose or the goal, so to speak, of, of a church. Or, Well, it's to, to win souls to Christ. It's to baptize them. It's to disciple them. And it's to all those things. And I think just about everybody that's walking in this room and sitting in here this morning could give me that answer. But do our feet do what our minds no. Is our actions speaking what our minds know? 
It says there, nevertheless, whereto we, we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. We have to walk it. We have to talk it. We have to know it. But we have to be on the same page as we continue to move forward. The next point is an example. The point number two is an example. And in verse number 17 of Philippians 3, or Galatians 3, um, it says this. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example, or an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in the shame, who mind earthly things. But it says to be an example. You know, one of the things that we probably lack the most within Christianity is discipleship, mentorship, and the ability to follow one another as we follow Christ. We are, we lack true disciples. We lack people that are willing to, to grab a hold of somebody and bring, us, bring them along and mentor them and do all those things. So many times we lack that, that example of what it is that we're looking for. Paul started that passage in verse number 17. He says, brethren, be followers together, and it says, of me. First thing that he told them to do was, was follow my lead, follow my example. Paul was telling them, listen, as I follow Christ, come, follow me. Why? Because we all look to somebody. Do you know everybody in this room is looking to somebody to lead? If there was a 15-year-old guy standing up here and they would take the charge to lead, and that's what you put in place, you would want to follow that person. Why? It's not an age thing. It's not a, it's not, it's, you want somebody to follow. You want an example to follow. Paul knew that. He knew, listen, follow me. Follow me as we go. Follow. The next thing that he put was, he says to mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Listen, not only just follow me, but look around and follow the others that are leading as well. Man, we lack in Christianity, we lack so much that mentorship. We lack so much an example. Listen, the young men in this room should look up to the older men in this room and the young ladies looking up to the older ladies and, and we should have a desire as an, older, as an older gentleman, I should be able to go to a teenager or I should wanna go to a younger man or maybe somebody that just got married or somebody that's just having kids. I should have a desire to go to those people and say, hey, follow me, follow my example. The older people in this room may, should have a desire to come to some of the younger men and the younger ladies and say, hey, follow me. Hey, watch this. Let me help you. Let me train you. You know, one of the things over the course of two months and, and the, the transition of things going on was this gentleman I shared with you that sent me that text message. Man, he's mid-60s, whatever, been in ministry for 36 some odd years. I have been so blessed and encouraged that he'll send me a text message every single week or he'll give me a phone call. Hey, let's go do coffee. Why? Because he's an older gentleman that's walked where I've walked that's encouraging me in my walk with the Lord. And he'll ask me, Aaron, how's your home? 
Aaron, how's your wife? Aaron, have you read your Bible? Aaron, have you? Aaron, have you? Man, that encourages me. Why? Because this gentleman is, he has no, I didn't know this guy existed up until two months ago. I never knew he existed. He doesn't know me from Adam. But he called me on a Monday morning and he said, hey, this is, and he gave his name and told me who he was. Do you know what? We all are looking for people to follow. We can look in this city. One of the things that if you listen to talk radio or you listen to anything around, but one of the things that we want to throw out in this city over and over and over and over and over again is how bad our school system is and how bad school is and how bad these teenagers are in this valley and how bad and how bad and how bad. Do you realize teenagers are a product of who? Adults. Teenagers are a product of an example that they see. Do you know why our school system isn't very good? Look to leadership, look to adults, look to those that are doing it. Why? Because we want to look to somebody to follow. I've worked with students for a long time, and one thing I could always do, I could pinpoint a student, and then I could pretty much nail their parent based on knowing their kid for just a short time. Why? Because the student is a product of their parents. The student is a product of their surrounding. Why? Because it's the example that they follow. And just like I have this gentleman who's been calling me, I will follow that guy as he leads me so long as I learn to trust him and as long as I know he has my best interest in mind and I will do everything I can. I will get to a place that what? I will trust him. I will want to do right because why? I want him to be happy with who I am. Do you know, as a, as a son, I have always had a desire that my parents would be proud of me as their son. Just like I assume everybody else in this room would say, man, I wish my mom and dad, I hope that they're proud of me. I have a desire that my parents would say, man, that's my son, that's my daughter. What? It's an example Listen, I want my kids as an example to look to dad. And I want to be the right example. But in the Christian world, Paul was saying, hey, look to me. Look to us. Look to one another. Find somebody. We've got to be an example. Listen, if the church isn't the example to the world, then who's the example to the world? Nobody. And guess what we've found? Look around. When the church isn't the example, somebody else will step in. And they're stepping in. In droves, they're stepping in. Why? Because we want somebody. We crave for an example. We crave to look up to somebody. We crave that. An example. Can I ask you a real simple question? How is your example? How is your example? If you were to stand in this, on this stage... And you were to stand and look out amongst this crowd of people and you were to say, I, I want somebody to follow me. Would somebody go, man, I want to follow that guy. Man, I want to follow that lady because her example is incredible. Her testimony is incredible. His testimony is incredible. Man, how is your example? 
How is your testimony to those that are around you, to those at work, to those within your home? Five quick things on example that Paul pointed out here. One of them, he said, as we keep going here, in verse 18 it says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. One of the things that he kind of points out here to kind of guard yourself of enemies of the cross. Again, you got, if we're going back to that day, there was people that were teaching false doctrines and doing different things. Do you know there's people that are out there that will tell you whatever you want just to get you to follow? There's false teachers. There's people that will m- manipulate. Those people that will do different things. But, but there's, there's those that are out there that are enemies of the cross. They really don't care. There's those people out there that are, their end is destruction. They have no hope of eternity. They have no hope of Christ. Their end is destruction. There's those out there, it says that their God is their belly. It's just all about them. It's all about them. You know the hardest part that has been standing in this position is figuring out agendas. Why? Because so many people have an agenda. Oh, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to do this. And then you're like, but it's just for you. It's not about the body of Christ. It's not about lifting you up. It's not about all these things. But listen, as we, as we grow and as we follow people and as we do all these things, as we look around, one of the things that Paul was warning was, hey, be cautious. Be cautious of those that have that agenda. Be cautious of those that it's about themselves. It says the bellies. That their God is their belly. Basically, it's themselves, their own appetite, so to speak. Glory in their shame, it talks about. In verse number 19, and whose glory is in their shame. Have you ever met somebody and you, you're almost embarrassed for them? The actions that they take, the things that they do, you're like, oh man. They think it's great. They're for lack of a better term, their stupidity, so to speak. And you're like, oh. You know? And they're just, they're great. I'll give you a story. I was in New York City. And uh, I was in college. We were in New York City for a a missions trip. Excuse me. (coughs) And and while we were there, it happened to be uh, St. Patrick's Day. So it was great. Very good. College kids. Missions trip, St. Patrick's Day, New York City, downtown. So it was our day to go downtown. The, the, we all went downtown. We were walking around. And, and I, I should probably know, being Irish, that it was St. Patrick's Day. But I'm clueless. We're just walking around. Next thing I know, I'm like, what's going on? Well, the St. Patrick's Day parade had just ended. Well, one of the things that kind of goes hand in hand with St. Patrick's Day is alcohol. A lot of it. In New York City on St. Patrick's Day, a lot of it. So we're walking around and think, you're looking at people going, oh my word, do they realize that they're doing this? And this guy, this is probably not the best story to tell in church, I don't know. But this guy walks, we're walking, and he stands in the middle of all of us and does this. He is so wasted. And he just starts to urinate all over himself. 
And I'm like, what is this dude doing? I know, bad illustration. (laughs) But here's what the point is. We would look at that and I would think, that dude, I would be ashamed of myself. He was screaming at the top of his lungs, look at me! And we're like, we're looking, dude. (laughs) But his glory, what we would consider shame, that wasn't shameful to him. Now, it may have been later, but he wasn't shamed of what he was doing. He wasn't ashamed of who he was. Man, I'm looking at that guy going, oh my word. Like, I feel bad for this guy. He's in the middle of town square making a fool of himself. He didn't really care. Do you know that person? I've been around quite a few. Where you go, oh man. Do you know we have Christ We live differently. Our example is different. We look at all these different things. The world, what they, watch the billboards, watch the taxi cabs, watch all the different things. We look at that and we go, man, they're ruining their lives. They're ruining their families. They're ruining this. They're ruining that. Look at, oh, oh, man, stop. Why? They have no shame. And the last point there that he was making as far as being a warning of, they mind earthly things. We should live with the heavenly mind. However, these people are living with an earthly mindset. Why? I think differently than an unsaved person. Or we should think differently than an unsaved person. The things that I do should be a little bit different than the things that the unsaved world does. Why? Because I, have, I should have a mind of Christ. My mind should be like-minded with His mind. I should have a different mindset. Man, be cautious of who you're following. Be cautious of of the example that you're looking after. As we look around this room, and I pray that there's somebody in this room that you would look to and say, man, hey, would you you mind if we met once a month? Man, I, I so desire to have better mentorship and discipleship for our young people and for for us as adults that we can go to each other and grow in Christ together, and we're going to get that. But but I should desire something different than that outside world. And the last point is this, as we go on in this passage of growth, the last point is glorification. And I pray that this all ties together and this makes sense as we grow and we continue to press on. And this, I'm going to read a lot of scripture here in this last passage here, but man, more than anything as we press on, we live in a wicked society. We live in a society that does not love Jesus Christ. We live in a society that does not care about the eternal things. We live in a society where all of eternity does not matter. It's what will be for me today. We live in a society, if you listen to music, there's people, they write songs and they talk about, well, I'm going to go to hell and we're going to party with all my friends in hell. Listen, folks, hell isn't like that. It's not a big party. But as we finish up this sermon and we talk about this glorification, we have something that no other world has or no other person has outside of Christ. We have the hope of tomorrow. We have the joy and the peace of knowing that one day I will have a glorified body. That one day those that can't walk will walk again. Those that can't see will see. Those that can't hear will hear because of a glorified body that Jesus Christ will give us. We have hope because there's a, there's a, a, a city, so to speak, or what's written in, in, in the scriptures there, a holy city that we have hope of. 
And listen, if we have nothing else to press forward on and if we have nothing else to continue to move forward with in in our Christian lives as a body of believers, we have one thing is that we have a hope of tomorrow and we have a hope of a future and we have a hope of our glorified body and we have a hope that nobody else has. And as we finish this out, I'm going to go through a number of different passages. But you know what's pretty cool? We have what, what we have is a citizenship, a double citizenship, what you might want to call it, is that I have a home here in Henderson, Nevada, but my home is in heaven. I may live here, but my home is in heaven. There's a song that talks about I long to go home. I mean, you know what? I can get excited sitting on a, on a, a front row, or you can get excited reading scripture, or maybe it was singing those songs, or for me it was listening up in my office to, to listen to some of the songs. I am the Lord, I'm the Almighty God. I am the one for whom nothing is too hard. Whatever your favorite songs might be that glorify God, but you know why? That, that, those songs give me hope. Those songs give me peace. Those songs bring comfort. Those things do that. God's word does all that for us. Why? The only reason is because we have a hope of a future. We have a glorification. Glorification is really simple. It's basically after death. Glorified bodies. Those are things that take place after death. And the lost world doesn't have that. The lost world doesn't understand that, hey, I I live here. My future home is in heaven. They don't understand that. Paul spoke of that in Acts chapter number 22, and it should be on the screen there. And I think all of these are up there. But if you follow with me, or maybe you want to write them down and go look at them later. But in Acts chapter number 22, I'm not going to read this whole passage, but in 25 it says... um, If I can get there. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it law for for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Again, he was stating, listen, Paul stated, "My my, My citizenship is as a Roman. Listen, my citizenship is as the United States of America. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. But guess what? I'm also a citizen of heaven, of a new Jerusalem. And Paul spoke of that there. In Revelation chapter 22, in Revelation chapter 22, again, it's on the screen, but in Revelation 22 in verse number 1, no, I'm sorry, 21 in verse 2. Is that right? Here we go. 21 in verse number 2 it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride and adorned for her husband. In verse number 10 it says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. And in verse number 16 I think is in there, but in verse number 16, um, I lied, not 16, um, in Hebrews number 11, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go to a couple verses here, and I'm going to wrap all this together. But in Hebrews 11, chapter 10, it says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And in verse 16, it says, But now they desire a better country, 
that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. John 14 and verse number 2 and 3. Very famous and familiar passage here. But in John 14, it says this. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, ye may be also. Listen, we may live in Las Vegas, in Henderson, in Green Valley, in wherever you live. But if you know Jesus Christ, you have a heavenly home that's waiting for you. We have a glorified body that's going to await for us. You know, it's exciting. We, we know of, of many that have passed and went on to be with the Lord over the course of all of our lives. But you know what's great? If they knew Jesus Christ as their Savior, the pain that they may have had, the hurt that they may have had, the things that they may have had on this earth, they no longer have. I think of me, and I, I think of one of the greatest moments of my life, and this, I hope this makes sense, but I was in the room when I got to be with my grandfather. And as he talked to me, and as he was passing and going on to be with the Lord, and, and he looked at me, and he talked about a bright light. And he talked all the time. He would always tell me, Aaron, don't ever forget we're co-heirs. We're joint heirs with Christ. Don't ever forget. And he would talk about certain things, but I'd never forget. I'll never, ever, ever forget that moment when I sat in his his nursing, his room there, and he was laying down, and he was kind of in and out. But he started talking about seeing a light. And at the time, I'm kind of like, Grandpa, there's no light. Man, you know what? I'll, I'll get to see my grandfather walking on a street of gold. I'll get to see my grandfather who won't be in pain sitting in a bed no more. I'll get to see my grand, grandmother who for the next two years would sit in a bed and was, was hurting and was miserable because for the last 60-something years she was stood beside this man. And I'll get to see that. Why? Because we get a glorified body. Because we have a home that's waiting for us in heaven. Listen, as we press on, we all have people that have gone before us. But as we press on, we have a dream. We have a goal. We have a hope. Nobody outside of Jesus Christ has that hope. Nobody has that joy. Nobody has that peace. But we have it. Why? Because He built a home. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's going to come again. He's going to receive us. He built a mansion for you. He's preparing it right now. And we have something to go out. There's a lot of people outside of these walls that they need something that we have. In John chapter 4, and I've got a handful more of scripture here, but in John chapter 4, in verse number 42, is that right? And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of that thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And as we begin to look at our glorified body, as we begin to look at, at all these things, there's one thing that we're looking for. And in this passage, or these passages I'm going to read, it talks about Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world. He is our hope. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our comfort. And in 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 10, it says, For therefore we labor... 
or we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. In Psalm 106, 21, if we put that on the screen, for they, they forgot God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. In the next passage there is Titus 2 and verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of that great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the last one is 1 Corinthians in chapter number 15, and we'll go to that in just a second. But, but as we look to all these things, and we look to our glorified bodies, and we look to these things, the glorification of what we have hope in, and what we have a peace, and what we have a joy, and what we know is coming in the future, we have a reason to press on. We have a reason to keep going. We have a reason to fight for Oasis Baptist Church. And we have a reason to keep the doors open. And we have a reason because there's people that are driving by right now. There's people that are going to walk through these doors next week. There's people that are going to walk through these doors in three months and six years. Whatever it would be that they need that same peace. They need that same hope that you have. And they're looking for somebody that's going to continue to press on, somebody to look for as an example. And it says this, I'm just going to read a couple things of notes here, but are you ready for him? Are you ready for that glorious change? One of the things that's going to take place is this sin-filled, disease-ridden bodies of ours are going to be changed. And in 1 Corinthians, in chapter number 15, In verse number 50, there's a handful of scripture here that we're going to read, but it says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So that when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is thy law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As we wrap up this morning, we have hope. I have hope one day that this sin-stricken body will be changed. I have hope one day that that the ailments and the things that we all have in Christ will be changed. One day again, those of you that may use a cane today will not use a cane anymore. Those of you that take medications for different pain or different disease or different whatever it might be, you will no longer have to take that. And we look at all these things and we think of all these things. Listen, We must press on. We must grow because there's somebody else that needs to know of the Savior that we just read about. There's somebody else that needs to know because they too can have a mansion being built for them. 
they too can have hope of their, their body being transformed into a, a new body one day. We must press on. And we must grow. And church, as we wrap this up this morning, and we wrap up this series or this short series here in Philippians chapter 3, can I challenge us? How is your example? How are you growing in Christ? Are you becoming unified? Are you becoming part of this body? Are you believing and trusting in one another that that our minds can continue to let us go forward, that our minds and our feet will work together as we go? Are you looking to somebody as an example? Is somebody looking to you to be that example? Are you showing that example and pressing forward for that glorified body, for that glorification that we might have one day? Listen, I don't want to go tomorrow, but I'm ready. And there's still work to be done. And I got to press on. Because there's somebody else that needs Jesus Christ. There's somebody else that needs to be baptized, that needs to get discipled, that needs to be brought along in their faith. There's somebody else, there's some family that needs to be brought back together. There's a couple that's being split right now that needs Christ to to merge that family back together. There's people all over that need you to be an example, that need you to show them that glorification that we will have one day. I got a a, a letter in the mail not long ago, about two or three weeks ago. Gentleman that was from here, moved to Florida, has been in prison now for, he wrote in the letter that he felt that it was all injustice, different things, but then he wrote here to the church because he had heard of this church while he was here in town. And we're going to correspond back and forth, and Martin sent, is sending him a letter, and I'm sending him a letter, but, but do you know there's a gentleman in Florida in a prison cell that looks to Oasis Baptist Church for encouragement? I mean, that's humbling. He's never even stepped foot in this place, but while he was here, he knew of Oasis Baptist Church. And when he got put in jail, he got our address and a pen and paper and he sent us a letter. Man, we got to keep pressing on. I don't know what will ever happen with that gentleman. Whether he comes back and attends our church or he doesn't, maybe we can encourage him through the mail over the course of whatever his situation is. But man, we, there's so much out there. We've got to press on. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know where you are this morning. I pray that the words that were spoken and the words that were read through Scripture touched your heart, pricked something within you. But could I challenge you? Are you growing in Christ? For us to continue to press on, we have to grow. We have to seek Him. 
as I grow as a person, as you grow as a person, and individually we all grow in Christ, we are going to become naturally unified because Christ is going to bring us together. And with that, our example and and the way that we live, our lifestyle, will be an example for somebody else to follow. And we can point them to a, a glorification of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in the future. I don't know who's here this morning. I don't know if there's one that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. But I ask that maybe there's somebody in this room this morning that would say, Pastor Aaron, I I want that hope. I want one day to to be able to, to know that I'm on my way to heaven. I want one of those mansions being built for me in a new city, in a holy Jerusalem. And I want that.